this is Captain Lee, and you're listening to the Andertons Podcast. gentlemen I introduce to you today the very wonderful super talented slightly hard to understand Mr. Dan <laughs> Putlansky and I hope I said the your surname correctly you did I've been called a lot worse you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well look Dan is uh, touring the UK uh, any day now so the tour starts off you've got about 10 dates I think over here that's right um, amazing blues guitar player from South Africa that's right. Long way away. Same time zone, which I guess is handy. Yeah, very handy. But straight up. Yeah. yeah. But, a, but a long old flight. And uh, we've not met before. It's a pleasure to meet you. Lee, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, some crazy good guitar playing. Just the kind of guitar playing that I like too. Um, and we're just going to chat about life, the universe and everything. And, <laughs> and I hope you enjoy it. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you got into playing guitar. You know, what, what's, what's your background? It's a great... Great question. I mean, obviously, growing up in South Africa, it's you know, it's it's not necessarily known for music number one, and and the blues definitely yeah. not. You know, yeah. it's uh, but I I was very fortunate. My parents had a fantastic album collection when I was you know growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, from everything from the blues, classic rock, jazz. You know, like I suppose the rootsy kind of music. Yeah. So it was a, a fantastic upbringing and. Most of the stuff I, I was listening to as a kid was guitar-driven music, mm-hmm. if it was Hendrix or Pink yeah. Floyd or Steve Ray Vaughan or whatever. So, you know, I was always into music because through my parents' absolute passion and love for it. But um, when it came time to, you know, pick up an instrument, the guitar seemed to be the obvious, the yeah. obvious choice because that's, you know, the music I'd been, been, been hearing. For and, sure. Yeah. And, and how, how old were you roughly, you think, when you got your first guitar? Um, I got a nylon string acoustic because you know that's that was what the you do the rite of passage exactly right <laughs> and when i was about 9 years old and 
I kind of lost interest in the guitar playing thing very swiftly because I couldn't work out why this nylon string guitar didn't sound like Jimi Hendrix or mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I, I yeah, couldn't, for sure. I didn't understand that there was an electric guitar and there was an acoustic guitar and and all that. So I lost interest and then kind of realized a little bit a couple of years later that you know you need an electric guitar. That's yeah. what what the the way forward is and. Um, yeah, so I got that, and that's really when I started playing about twelve. Mm-hmm. You know, seriously into it, and yeah. Did, did you find the, the the sort of? I've never really quite understood the sort of South African music scene. It seems to be an incredibly isolated place from a point of view of trying to get gear into it. You know, like I know that I know whenever we've had uh, inquiries from there, it's incredibly complicated sort of customs rules for what can and can't be shipped down there. And I, and I, but I, equally, I suppose, you know, you, you've obviously got a real mix of cultures with regards to the kind of music that's played there. But, but I wouldn't, have, it always surprises me that, that there isn't more of a sort of a scene coming out of South Africa. It's, you know, there's plenty of people living down there. And it's, you know, but I, I just wonder, what, what was that like, you know? Well, I think that's a great question because there are people down there and there are music fans down mm. there and uh, there is somewhat of a scene down there even though it's probably maybe 10 years behind mm-hmm. you know the UK and Europe mm-hmm. I, I think as far as infrastructure goes venues and yeah. and you know just the whole infrastructure of the thing um, it's tough um, down there because I think the big difference between the UK Europe the States and South Africa is is music is more it's more part of your culture mm-hmm. watching live music for mm-hmm. instance you know like what are you going to do this friday night oh i'm going to go see whoever yeah. if it's a a massive stadium band or a small little pub gig yeah you know going out and watching live music is part of your culture and in south africa it's not necessarily part of our culture so you really got to fight and convince people to come mm-hmm. out to, to mm-hmm. shows rather so it's it's almost a secondary thing. I think almost sometimes I feel that people would rather go see a movie mm-hmm. than, than go out to a live gig. Yeah. And I think that, and solely that, is really holding the scene back. And it, and it, it kind of, in a way, makes it very, very tough to earn a living down there as a full-time mm-hmm. musician. So you'll see a lot of the musicians down there, not everyone, but a lot of them have day jobs. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously if you've got a day job and you're a musician, you can't necessarily focus all your energy and your time on your craft which is yeah. writing songs or playing the guitar or whatever it might be and i think that's you know that that that, that seems to be holding the whole scene back a little bit right. and talking about the customs thing mm. i mean i i ordered this this duelist from jesse yeah six months ago yeah and our postal system is such <laughs> up <laughs> to be honest with you that this thing arrived in south africa one week after Jesse shipped it, yeah, and it took six months to arrive mm-hmm. at my door because it's just I think just well, post arrives and it's just yeah. in this. Well, I think that's what we got. Um, so I mean, I have to sort of almost apologise in advance to any South African you know people who watch our YouTube channel because we don't ship to South Africa entirely because the couriers just go look. We can get it from <laughs> Anderton to South Africa in like forty eight hours. But then you're on your own. But then yeah. it's like, unless you've got all the right documents and super complicated stuff and permits and everything like that, it's just going to stay in the system forever. And nine times out of ten, when it comes out the other side of the system, somebody goes, oh, and I can't find it now anyway. So like yeah. when, when the computer says, okay, deliver it, they, 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 they just go, oh, actually, we've lost it. I'm really sorry. Well, I mean, <laughs> my, like, my, so my, we've given up. Yeah, I so. agree completely. I mean, when we, I didn't expect the, this pedal to take six months. So I, I was convinced that mm. someone pinched it out of the post office and they had a duelist connected to their stereo system going, this sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, what I thought, yeah. <clears throat> maybe things will change in the future. And yes. Hope, hopefully they will. But so how did that then, um, you know, you, you've obviously uh, got your chops up to a crazy stellar level so Ooh. how you know was that formal tuition or just just you know loads and loads of practice and getting in bands or how, how did that um uh, yeah i mean i kind of it was not, not much formal tuition mm-hmm. i mean i did a little bit to kind of understand the theory behind mm-hmm. why that works and why that yeah. doesn't which is always helpful um it was just really the passion for you know the music and and it was almost like an escape for me as a teenager to mm-hmm. You know, get back from school. I've, I've never been a social butterfly, if right. you will. You know, a little bit of an introvert. Yeah. Which I think is a great thing for guitar playing because you can kind of lock yourself in a room <laughs> and and really get, you know, this immense joy from 
sitting with a Pink Floyd album or a B.B. King record or, or whatever, just trying to, you know, learn their yeah. craft and trying to get that into playing. And that was always, it was never a, a drag for me. It was never a, you know what I mean? It, was, it wasn't hard. It was always, it wasn't hard to practice because of the yeah. passion, you know. Yeah. It was it was always just a pleasure to do. So I, I, I've spent, you know, most of my teenage years locked in a room, you know, listening to, you know, the music I listen to. And I think a big part is just really focusing on exactly what I wanted to do and not yeah. trying to be a Guthrie Govan, which is only one of those guys, you yeah. know what I mean, in the world so who can you, play everything well. Yeah. So do you do you find now, maybe we're jumping forward a little bit, but mm. as you're playing, is what you're playing, um, I'm just trying to, I, this is almost like a more personal question, yes. because I, I, I didn't ever listen to theory, I never understood theory. So I've always had this slightly tentative playing style of, I kind of think this might be okay over the next bit, but I don't really know. And I know that holds me back. I'm like, I need to sort of get into it. And I go, okay, I'm okay now here. Happy days. So did you do the theory to sort of unlock that mystery or or are you still kind of like, look, you know, I I, I kind of, I'm obviously a good guitar (laughs) player, but I'm, but I'm still just, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah, winging it. You know, it's like, what's the, what's the... Um, I, I, I did do the theory thing to kind of, because it always bothered me, like, mm. why does it this lick or whatever, mm. or these this group of notes work over that chord, and yeah. then all of a sudden it doesn't yeah. at, at another a particular time. So that was the reason for getting into the theory. Um, I didn't get, you know, you get people that get really deep into the theory, so deep that it almost affects their playing, where, right. where, where you can almost overthink it. Yeah, yeah, they, they think, oh, I'm going to go to this scale now, and I'm going to do this, and it just kind of sounds like someone going... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, never, never. Oh. <laughs> you know, just, 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 just playing the, <laughs> the scales. Um, so for me, it was like it was just interesting to know. Oh, right, that's why that yeah. group of notes works over that chord or whatever, and that really helped. But I kind of, uh, in a way, drew the line there mm-hmm. and, because I still want it to be a feel-based thing, and I don't. Yeah. I find when I think when I play, that's when always when I have a bad show. Right, is when I've learned a new kind of bebop lick or something, yeah. and I'm just relentlessly trying to get it into somewhere in the set and and the whole set is is this random bebop lick everywhere until i figured out ah oh, that's where it works right and then i'll leave it and only play it there but, <laughs> so there is a lot of guessing still i suppose yeah. well, so so back in your, your teens then was the when was the first time that you you know you just thought i'm going to try and put a band together or, or you know how old were you then i was about uh, 15 years old mm-hmm. um there was a high school battle of the bands cool and we put a little blues band together we didn't have a bass player we just had two guitar players and a drummer and a harmonica player yeah yeah there was it just a four piece cool no bass for some reason couldn't find a guy that was interested a 15 year old that was interested in playing blues bass guitar and we didn't have a singer either so it was it was it we ended up winning the thing um but that was really the first little band that i had i can't even remember the name of the band but that bug kind of um yeah, bit early. Just yeah. having yeah. a bunch of guys in the garage, you know, talking about gear and tones, and even though we didn't have the the gear, we had, you know, fairly entry level little tiny amplifiers, no yep. pedals, but it was still that was the kind of the introduction to the the sickness of of, of this, which is a <laughs> gear yeah. addiction syndrome. Yes. Yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so, were you singing in that band, or was it just an instrumental, or just instrumental? Just instrumental. I, I started singing for the sole reason is I couldn't find another teenager that was vaguely interested in singing right. blues you know this was you know the 90s so if i was if i was in more of a maybe a, a, a grunge style band or something i think i could have you know there's a whole yeah. pile of guys that would have yeah. would have been keen but it was it was just out of necessity really and it's you know it was wow those first couple of gigs must have been tough for the audience <laughs> just this you know like choke cat kind of coming out of the microphone yeah it was very interesting you know yeah so and at this stage then so so what what stage you know of your of your latter teens did you think uh i think this is my going to be my career now my life you know? well um it was it's always a dream mm-hmm. but you know obviously you know i think it's it's a, it's a dream but it's, it's almost unlikely being a musician especially in south africa because mm-hmm. You think okay it's great so i'm gonna be a musician but how how do you earn money out of this how do mm-hmm. i you know pay rent and have a family one day and all this sort yeah. of thing so it was kind of a, a thing where i you know I, I put a proper band together um hit the road uh, and started touring south africa and 
just kind of close my eyes and hope for the best. It was a, <laughs> a passion thing, so you don't really mind, especially because I started so young. I think that was the key. I was still living at home. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, my parents are very, very supportive of, of so me doing it, which is a yeah. big thing because you can spend two years earning, playing the exposure gigs, you yep. know what I mean? <laughs> but no problems because yeah. you, you've, got a, you've got someone looking after you at home. And then, you know, by the time it was, you know, I moved out of home and, you know, I was already earning a living out of it, which is a, which was fortunate. I, I don't think it's just South Africa. I think it's anywhere in the world. It's, it's obviously a tough industry to be in, and um, especially with a band. You know, I mean, it's not just it's not just you that's needs to. Uh, it's all very well a venue going. Well, fine, we'll give you a couple of hundred bucks to do the venue. It's just like, but it's not just me. Like, exactly. What about the other yeah, three people exactly, in the band? You know, it's so like, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's tough, but I mean, it just kind of happened that I, you know, like. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, well, this is what I do for a living now. Fantastic. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was never really a conscious um, thought. It was just always a hope and a dream. Yeah. yeah. And how do you, you know, how do you, how did you feel like you were going to sort of break through in this kind of, you know, the, the, the sort of the, <laughs> the, the young blues band, you know, trying to make a noise? Uh, it's, it's such a, it's such a, um, not a competitive. I see. Competitive is the wrong word. It's very crowded. Kind sure. of, you know, it's like who's going to be the next John Mayer, the next whoever. Yeah. You know, da da da. da you know, and it seems that there's a bucket load of guys. You know, and girls now as well. You know, sure. Trying to crack in that kind of market. So, what's your? You know, did you were you conscious from from day one that I've got to have an angle here to be my thing, or is it just look? going to do my best and I'm either going to the cream will float to the top or it won't I mean, what's the... it was kind of the, the latter I right. think it was it was all just like I'm so passionate about the music I play the blues mm-hmm. um, and the blues rock thing um, I love doing it and you know I'm, I'm blessed at this point to be doing it for a living mm-hmm. you know hopefully that won't end next week you know <laughs> um, and you know it, it took me many many years to when I say break into the UK and the mm-hmm. European thing, just to get kind of, you know, foot in the door. And sure. we tried for so long. I mean, obviously, as you say, it's, a, it's quite a saturated market and there's some great, mm-hmm. great players mm-hmm. and great, great bands out there. And uh, what I think the turning point was, I did an album in, in uh, 2014 called Dear Silence Thieves. And the producer I used back in South Africa is a guy called Theo Kraus, who's, a, who's actually a like a, 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 rock, a rock producer in South mm-hmm. Africa and, a, and, and almost a commercial music producer. And I had, all the albums I'd done in the past were all very much in that blues rock um, box. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You couldn't really separate them from any other blues rock album. Yeah. So I came with my songs. Um, he didn't try and make a pop album and mm-hmm. I didn't try and make a blues rock album. We just said, let's take the songs and see where the songs take us. Right. And obviously, naturally, they, they still went in a blues rock um, direction because that's, that's what they are. But because he had, the producer had a very, very different way of doing things and a way of looking at arrangements and, and you know, production, mm. all of a sudden we had this album at the end of the day that I was quite scared to release because I thought, this sounds very, very different to every other blues rock album out there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if I liked it because it was this new thing. And we released it and that's what got the foot in the door in uh, in, in the in the UK and uh, in Europe and because the album kind of stood out a little bit I think and didn't you know sound like everything else mm-hmm. um, and that seemed to be I suppose the foot in the door accidentally I suppose yeah and have you always taken the view of just promoting yourself or are you you know do you you know do you use like a traditional label to try and do some of the, the promotion or, or a, a bit of both I mean I think Especially in the blues rock world, I mean, everyone's trying to do the, the Joe Bonamassa thing, where he, he's completely, yeah, yeah, you know, he's. I mean, obviously, he is the guy in blues rock, and yeah. he is. He's done it all on his own, and just through his management, um, which is which is remarkable. So I think we we all kind of strive for. I mean, that's success, and all, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, but also that kind of platform. So we kind of, you know, a little bit of both. I mean, I, um. I'm, I've got a distribution deal with the label, mm-hmm. you know, who just kind of get the music out there in, yeah. in UK and Europe and the rest of the world. And we've got a, a PR guy, a great PR guy here, Peter Noble in in the UK and, you know, an agent and, and promoter here. So it's a, kind of a bit of, it's not all in-house, but yeah, yeah all the stuff that we can't do on our own, we... We, we try but, and get but the best not, we can. And presumably yeah. using social media loads to try and get your name out there. Tons. tons I mean, I think that's where it's, that. yeah. it seems to be going. Yeah. You know? yeah. Let's get round to, to sort of, 
I'm interested in this kind of how you felt that the producer changed the vibe. Because uh, from listening to you play, you know, it's as you say, it's a very kind of field-based, loose, uh, blues rock, you know, very... Doesn't I wouldn't say... I'm just trying to think who it reminds me of. Reminds me of like a bit like a guy like Philip Sace, like a sort of Hendrix, but on... Sure. Like well, H- Hendrix on like ten cans of Red Bull, kind of you know, just like <laughs> bit bit more um, in terms of just yeah, a little bit more flashy maybe if that's the right word. But what? How did that? How did that get? You know, what did he do? You know, is it is it just a question of perhaps saying, look, we're going to fill the band up, we're going to fill the songs out with more arrangements, more sort of keyboardy strings kind of arrangements, and just let the sort of the, the bluesy rock thing layered over the top of it, or? You know, was it a question of saying to you, can you play that part differently or just take it, pull it back, give it more of a vocal vibe? I mean, what was the... So, well, the the process was, is, I mean, I must be honest, in that first album I did, I mean, I fought constantly mm. with the producer because I was, it was just fear. I it was like unknown territory. It was like, yeah. oh, that's not how it's done in the blues rock world, yeah. you know? You know, we solo for 12 minutes, <laughs> whatever the case is. And he's like, no, well, let's try and not solo for 12 minutes. Let's try and do a really kind of meaningful, thought-out solo for, you know, a minute, rather, yeah. and then get back to the song. So it's more of a gift to the listener. So mm-hmm. that was the, the first thing that mm-hmm. we did. But um, it it came to the point is, obviously, everything I write comes from the blues. It's, it's yeah. based in the blues. But it was about not trying to write a blues rock song. And that's what, what I learned so much from him, was saying... For, you know, let's. It's always going to be blues rock because that's that's yeah. who you are. Let's just write a song, and not because I think when you try and write a blues rock song, you often close doors. You say the song could go in that direction, but that's not where I want to go. I mean, yeah. let's try and. So what we did was with every song, we took it in every single direction we possibly could, even if it was hideous, you know, like and completely wrong. But we always got something useful from going in that direction. You know, if we turn this. The, you know, the, this, this blues song into a disco song, to be like, oh, that's that's definitely not what I'm going for. But because we did that, this little idea came out, and let's bring that back to where we had it, and, and it was a great idea. So it was it was really, I think, from the songs and, mm. and, and the structuring and the writing of the songs um, was the big, big uh, thing that he, that he had, you know, instead of going... Because in the past, I was going, cool, man, what kind of guitar sounds I want on the album? And still, that's a big thing, you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, Yo, am I going to use this pedal? I'm going to use that amp, or whatever the case is. And now it's like, yeah, we're going to get there, but let's get the songs yeah. right first, and then we can worry about, you know, what what speaker combination we're going to use in the studio and and all that. And that's a for me being a, a gear guy and a tone guy, it's 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 it was very very difficult. You it, know, it's, it sounds. I mean, that that sounds to me like exactly the kind of producer that you want to be. You know, that's when they it feels to me where they really earn their corn. You know, they, well, they add that. that you know rather than just oh it's just a, a polished version of the track that you had in mind it's exactly. like somebody goes hang on a second this it, can be better yeah or just different you know it could, with, um so that's that's very cool i mean do you want to do some i, I love you know so when we were planning i was just playing some rhythm stuff and you were playing some licks but play play I some of just tune more, if you don't mind absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. tuning is good and tuning is always a good with thing, your yeah. extremely affordable little fender clip on tuner uh-huh. nothing but the best <laughs> there we go <laughs> But I'm, I love, you know, some some of the some of those chord inversions that we were playing before the cam- that you were playing, sorry, before the camera started rolling out. I love all that kind of stuff about. Oh, it's like you pretty know. chord type yeah, of things, just, like you know, uh, the. Oopsie! It's. Out of tune again. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you're writing, is are you you know are you are you putting chords together, or have you got a melody in your head that you're that you're thinking about, or is it lick based? I mean, what, what's your? Um, it, it, if it's a kind of a riff based song, it will you know the, the riff will be kind of the the the, the first thing. If yeah. it's a, you know that's kind yeah. of more of like the riff based yeah. or. The, Thank you. 
But then when it comes to, you know, not riff based stuff, I try my best because my immediate thing is, if I've got a little chord progression, is to kind of uh, fluff the chord, not um, bloom the chords out, if you yeah. know what I mean, with different inversions and tension, you know. Mm -hmm. So, but the way I learned to write with working with this producer was to try and that, that'll come later oh, and okay. rather concentrate on the chord changes, keep them really simple to. Simple majors or minors, okay. get the melody kind of happening over the top, and then once that's kind of settled and it, you can listen to it with just the basic chords, then we, you can kind of you know, get a little bit more uh, you know, creative with, yeah. the, with the, the, the voicings and, and all that type of thing. And I must say, it, it, it shifts the, pro the, the, the priority to the song, mm. and it's, very, it's still to this day a super tough thing for me, is I always want to uh, kind of Hendrix it like... Mm. You know, do that Hendrix rhythm yeah, yeah, thing, for and, sure. and you know, obviously, if you do that to every song you do, it's, it's you know, it's gonna be like a I don't know. Like so a, he's he's like, stop, yeah, just play the three just, chords, just and play just the chords. Well, and that presumably must force you to put a lot more um, focus on the vocal side of it, because it's sure. which which I still, you know, sort of, even though I'm, you know, I, I love guitar, and I love guitar music, I'm still. Uh, I still enjoy listening fundamentally to a song where the guitar um, adds. Uh, I think you 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 said something before. I, I don't like it where the guitar becomes utterly dominant within the song and it's all about the solo or it's all about. Sure. You know, I, I like it where it's fundamentally the song is good, the vocal is good, the the, the the lyrics are meaningful or whatever. And then, like you say, when the solo does come in, it's a little gift. It's yeah. yeah. It's and it's just like oh, it's so good. So all my favorite guitar solos are all the, like the, the thirty second long. Where it's just like you're loving the song anyway, and then someone goes, "Here's the cherry on the top." Boom! You know, take it. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. So that's, that's super cool. Have you got when when you first started singing and playing guitar at the same time? What did you find the biggest challenge was? You know, behind that. <laughs> the right hand, and still to this day, the right, right, the right hand is my 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 nemesis. If I'm playing if I'm playing badly at a show, yeah, it's because my right hand is like, is like veins are bursting out, <laughs> and you kind of you kind of like digging in too much, and there's no like flow and yeah. the tones bleak because you're killing yeah. the note. Same when I started singing was trying to get a constant rhythm, you know, to yeah. kind of separate the brain to the right hand. And the, the way I learned to do it was was a really simple kind of like like blues kind of uh, like a like a Steve Ray Vaughan. Just that constant, yeah. You can, and then you sing over that. Yeah, it's kind of like you, you you've learned that shuffle part yeah. or whatever so well that that kind of does it automatically. But I must say, when you first start doing it, it is, it, it seems to be like it, you feel like you'll never get it right. It's just, yeah. it's whatever the vocal phrase does, yeah. your, your right hand tends to do. You know, right. you know, following it rhythmically, yeah. which takes a while. To, to stop and, yeah. and when you're doing those sort of embellishments in between the chords as well are you are you singing over the, are you or, or are you sort of going like, I just do the embellishments when I start you know like well almost scatting you're not scatting with yourself but almost like you know comping with yourself you know? yeah I mean you know obviously the, the, the a big thing in the blues is that call and answer thing mm -hmm. so if you if you go and now look at me baby what have you done to me you know where you'll yeah, do yeah. a little call and You know, so yeah. that, that's a great exercise because you're kind of doing the chord and answer thing. But I know what you're saying is when you're doing a chord, a chord kind of pattern, then I'll try and stay away from the all that kind of playing off the chord and try and concentrate a little bit more on the melody. I yeah. think not because I have to, it's because I probably can't do all that embellishment with singing yeah, at the same time. Yeah, because when I know. see guitar players who can do that, wow, I know. I'm just like, oh man, you've totally managed to divide your brain into two bits, haven't you? Like one bit's doing the singing, one bit's doing the guitar. <laughs> and they're like a dinosaur where they've got a brain in their head and a brain in their ass, and it's impossible to physically assign the two bits to the... Not that dinosaurs ever wrote any good music, but... Um, 
So, well, look, it's, it's, uh, it's super cool. So, um, uh, we'll get on to gear in a minute, but you, so, so your, your journey, and yes. obviously a young guy, and so, you're re- well, you know. <laughs> relatively, I so, suppose, yeah. But, so your, your journey now, you're, you're touring uh, to promote the new, uh, promote the new album? Or? Yeah, um, we, we toured earlier in this year, uh, like as the initial release of it. Um, it's an album called Perfection Kills. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of the continuation tour of it. Um, starting really soon here in the UK um, and it's the last dates for the year but it, this tour is a little bit different I mean we're doing obviously a lot of stuff off the new album but we're doing a lot of back catalogue stuff too mm-hmm. which I'm absolutely loving doing because I it's very tough going this is the new album and that's all we're playing for this yeah. tour because this is this stuff that I really enjoy playing you know, sure. that I wrote many years ago so I think the live set this time is far more balanced it's it's got a bit mm-hmm. of the, you know, the more traditional side of me, which is the kind of more old school traditional blues thing, and then it's got a lot of the, you know, the more song blues rock kind of song based kind of stuff oh, too. Cool. So I think it's going to be a, a very fun tour. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll put some links underneath where you can uh, find out where the where the nearest uh, gigs to you are. Are you likely to do the states much or? Um, well, the states is a scary place, man. Yeah. It's, uh, and the reason I say that is because. Um, you know, it's so big. I think you can you probably tour the states for three years and not repeat any venue or any town yep. almost. Um, so I, I, I would love to get back to the states at some point. I lived in uh, New Orleans for for many years back in oh, cool. two thousand five or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I'd love to get back there, but at, at the moment we kind of we don't want to stretch ourselves too thin. So we're trying to you know get a little bit more established here in the UK and in, in Europe. And once this kind of is looking after itself, then we're definitely yeah. going to look at the, the state side of things. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, super good luck with all that sort of stuff. And please do go and check out some of Dan's music. Let's get gear nerdy, though, as we are a yes. gear show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we're just going to start with the guitar. Right. Um, is this... This is this number one. Is this this is the the one you take everywhere? Do the predominant amount of your playing on? Or? Um, no. This I mean for the next couple of months it will be because uh, my number one guitar was a '62 Strat, which I still have. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is really falling apart. Like I mean, just before this tour, I was going to bring it on this tour, but the I don't know what you call these strap, strap buttons. buttons yeah, yeah they, they started getting really, really loose. You know, the wood's kind of rotting away. Um, it's almost the strat almost looks like one of those Steve I guitars because <laughs> it's not just the paint that's worn there. It's like it's like a big kind of divot in the wood. How which is that? Did you do that? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. I mean, what's, I, your, what's your playing style then? Well, I mean, it's that? it's bad aim probably. Well, it's, it's just, <laughs> but it's it's that probably that that you're, whole you're, hit, you're hitting shuffle. the guitar this high up. Are you to sort of? Well, I mean, yeah. Oh. I mean, so. So it's maybe a little bit of that yeah, um, yeah. on the other guitar, which is the you know that sunburst strat. I mean the, the the paint's really old, so it just kind of like flakes off, you know, yeah. if you kind of hit it in the wrong place. So it's got a divot there. So I decided to put this guitar together, which is a I call the Partzacaster, which is a really cool guitar. It's um, it's a, a refinished '64 neck. Mm-hmm. Someone put the the early '60s decal on it, yep. which, as I say, put it right into my price bracket, and it's a great playing neck. Um, it's got the '62 um, a, a saddle and bridge piece. Mm-hmm. It's got a, a pick guard from I don't know, I don't know how old it is, but it's an older one. It's got slider pickups, which are pickups from Australia oh, that, are, that are just fantastic replacement um, vintage pickups. Mm-hmm. You know the. And uh, that's pretty much it. And, and the body you were saying was a... Sorry, yeah. It's, what, a, uh, 90s? it's an early 90s 57 reissue body. It's one of yeah. the first strats I ever bought. And yeah. this body has literally been sitting around just in my, in my practice room for the past 20 years yeah. doing nothing. I mean, I played this predominantly when I was a kid and did all my early touring. And when I got the 60s guitar, that kind yeah. of you know, took over. Sounds and it's great. It's a great really guitar. Great. And... Uh, you know, I've got a, a as I mentioned, a master built, uh, Jason Smith master built, on its way, eventually. and this eventually, yeah, and uh, I think it's going to be three worth years the wait. to build, three years in South African customs, yeah, and wow, then, you know, so it could be a, could turn yeah. into five or seven, you know, <laughs> if I get it, you know, um, so I put this parts of caster together for this tour, and probably until you know the the master built is done and arrives, and man, I'm loving it. It's a, it's what a did, great what did you spec on the master built? I spec exactly my 62 Strat. Right. Um, just the, a, a different color. This is like this vintage white is mm-hmm. my has always been my favorite color, especially the the real kind of yellowy yeah. vintage white. So 
um, I've spec this this kind of yellowy vintage rock, uh, white and but everything to the weight because I mean when you get that that master built order form mm -hmm. I mean I thought I knew a, a thing or two about guitars while wow, I had to Google <laughs> a lot of the things on that on that list to say well, I don't even know what that is oh um, when they start yeah. talking about what cut of wood do you want do you want it you know quarter sawn or whatever it's flat sawn and, you know and, the, and I yeah you're totally right I mean it's it's the master built thing is uh, we don't do a lot of master built stuff but it, it, I mean maybe three or four guitars a year something like that but it's um it's crazy detail it's crazy waiting times and it's crazy expensive as well it's crazy uh, man. but and it, it is I guess it's it's the creme de la creme yeah, I mean, you can obviously one guy builds a guitar, and I mean, you can literally, I think, have a coffee machine, like, built into the side of the guitar if you want. You can, it's like, I've seen crazy things, like, with cowhide uh, scratch oh, plates sure. and all, I mean, you can really have anything. I mean, it's kind of silly, because all I'm going for is actually just a, a very standard kind of strat, but yeah. I wanted a very particular mm. neck shape that I got, that I got very used to, and... Um, the only I think, way I could do that was go to the master. Yeah, I think route, neck, yeah. neck profiles and, and weights as well. I think where you can get on the on the team built stuff, you you, you just can't. Uh, you have to take a, a stock kind of sixties uh, neck or yeah, sixty two or whatever, yeah. and you can spec. I think you you can spec. Uh, you can pay a surcharge on the team built stuff for uh, just. Please, can you pick me out a lighter body? Right, right. But you right. can't sort of go. Please, can you make sure the guitar ends up weighing six point two pounds or whatever, which is. To a certain extent, you can kind of do on Master. You can, yeah. So um, it's, it was, it was man. just the experience of ordering it was uh, was was worth it. I mean, it was incredible. Well, it's, yeah. and are all your guitars strats, or are you, uh, you know? Yeah, I, I to be honest, I only own strats. Um, really? I don't have that many. I've got, I think, three strats and two acoustic guitars, and that's all I have. But I've I've always been the type of guy um, that when I'm happy with an instrument. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of really like to get into the instruments and, you know, learn the instrument far, in, a, in a far deeper sense. You know, like if you, if you took like great bass, like, like Jacob, uh, Jacob mm -hmm. Astorius, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, he didn't have lots of basses. He had those like, he had his bass. Yeah. And, but he knew that the instrument like back to front, you know, that had a little flaw there or a little thing there. And if you played it like this, it sounded like that. And I love that. Oh, that's you know? cool. And so you don't find... Um you don't find necessarily that perhaps a completely different sounding or feeling instrument might sort of, you, you, you like get a writer's block thing and you think, do you know what, all I need to do to unblock this is just to go and get something that feels and sounds totally different and then it's like, okay, fine. Unblocked, brain yeah. goes off in another. So I agree because certain guitars suggest almost mm. things to play. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I haven't, you know, and it's, it's not that I don't love other guitars. I mean, wow. I, I mean, I love guitars. It's just, it's just, you know, I, I, I'm so in love with, the way a Strat sounds, yeah. and all my heroes, really, you know, like uh, David Gilmore was like a, a massive hero yep. of mine, and, and I mean, everyone's, I suppose. <laughs> For sure. Um, you know, Stevie Ray, and all these guys, I mean, I've just always loved the the way a Strat sounds, and and what you can do on a Strat, and, and it's, it's just been something so special for me. And I mean, it's not to say that, I mean, one day I'll, I might be on a, a Gretsch or a, or whatever's going. Yeah. It's, I love those. It's just, yeah, I've really found it quite difficult to kind of move away from the Strat, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. So, should we do pedals or amps? I think I'm going to do the amp first, because that is a stunning looking Dumble-esque thing, but with great kind of curtain material on the front <laughs> uh, and like from a stately home or something it's yes like wallpaper yeah. isn't it from a stately home and i'm only familiar with that since i think pete told me and he's probably only familiar with it since we booked you to come on here and sure so, sure sure not and, and again totally not associated with a, a country that you would associate guitar amps with so tell us a little bit about the honeybee right so the honeybee's from hungary budapest mm-hmm the guy that makes him is a guy called Mark, and Mark is, is, like, he's ridiculously young, stupid right. young. Oh, I really? think he's like twenty-five, possibly younger. But yeah. you know what I loved about him? He tagged me once in a in a post mm -hmm. saying, "Hey, check out my amps." And I, obviously, you know, I've tried a lot of amps and all that. And what I'm always wanted out of amp is I don't want a versatile amp because yeah. I'm, I'm not a session guitar player. Yeah. I don't play loads of different styles of music. I play you know, what I play. And, you know, I think we all have that tone in our head mm -hmm. that we want. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of stumbled on a, a video of, of him playing it, and he's a really good guitar player. And I absolutely loved the sound. It was exactly what I wanted. It was a, you know, a, a Fender-style mm -hmm. 
uh, 6L6 kind of big American clean yeah. sound. But it had this this, this top end that, that I, mm. I love, this kind of glossy top end, which I've always been after. Um, and I loved it. But then I thought to myself, because I bought so much gear online because the player's been great playing. Huh. And you, it's sometimes very hard to distinguish, am I listening to the great player or am I listening to the great tone and the great mm-hmm. pedal? And I thought, he's a really good player, this guy. You know, is this amp going to you know, deliver? And I, and I heard a couple other videos of, of not so great players or, 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 you know, and different mm-hmm. players playing it and all they all sounded great. So I kind of just took a, a shot in the dark and I ordered one mm-hmm. um, to be sent to the UK. It was actually sent to you guys. You know? Oh, okay. Cool. This is my first, um, I played on the amp before, but this is the first time I'm playing on my amp, which is oh, very, I very cool. See. I didn't know. So it cool. was sent directly to you guys and I played it for the very first time um, a week ago. We played in Budapest and right. it's, you know, just for what I want, it is. It's got that that very much that SRV type of thing. Yeah. It's, it's it's super high headroom, super high headroom. Uh, it's got a, 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 a solid state rectifier, right? Which gives you all that 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 kind of, you know what I mean? That clean yeah. spank. Yeah. But it, it 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 and the way it overdrives naturally is is what I was looking for. I mean, it's just it never kind of farts out. It never. Yeah. It just adds this 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 glorious kind of. I'm just really in love with it, man. And uh, on on a, on a big stage when you can really open it up, um, it's, it's it's what I've been it, looking for for years. It's, yeah. it's fascinating for me. I mean, I've been I've been working in you know selling guitars and amps and stuff for thirty nearly thirty years now, and definitely, definitely, I kind of remember back in you know when I first started. I guess there weren't a lot of amps around, but it was pretty common that people would buy Twins or Hundred Watt Marshalls. Sure, or, you know. And then it, and then it just seemed to all the, the the fashion or whatever it was that by necessity, everyone was like, no, 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 you don't use an amp like that because you know you're never ever going to turn it up loud enough to get the, the sort of the tone. And so amps got smaller and smaller, and and, and before you know it, like the most popular thing is a five watt. Yes, amp, or your you know. one watt amp to that. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So you you know you're playing away, and then more, I would say I don't know. I think, to be honest with you, I think someone like John Mayer probably ran about the sort of continuum time. And I don't know that anybody really knew what was going on. But all of a sudden, this guitar sound started to become more popular again. And you realise that it's not volume that the 100-watt thing is doing. It's just the the the, the bloom and the, and the openness oh. and, and the headroom involved. And, it, and, and they're making a real kind of revival again so it's you know people are, and, and it's not you know the people have to remember you know buying a hundred watt amplifier is not because you're going to go and play a stadium in front of I mean, like a yeah, it's not about of, that at it's all it's absolutely not about that at all it's just it's just yeah, a type how, of tone yeah and how it blooms mm. the bloom is the is the best the best yeah. word and every every amplifier i've played yeah everything has got its unique way of blooming and yeah. i suppose it all just depends on what you want out of mm. an amp I mean, this is obviously not a high gain amp at all. This has got one mm-hmm. channel; it stays pretty clean. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's what, that's what I was trying to get: is an amp that's got tons of clean headroom, yeah. but breaks up at the same time, yeah. Yeah. which is a kind of weird well, it's, thing. It's, you know? it's, uh, and I like the. I remember watching a Joe Bonamassa video about how he sets all his amps, up, and every amp he has is maximum volume, and then uh, the guitar uh, the guitar is rolled back a little bit. Sure. Um, and it's he talks about bloom. It's you 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 get this very bloom is such a great word. I'm it is because it, you don't you don't get that. You know, traditionally, if the if the if the amp is lower volume and the guitar is turned up full, you get that instant compression and thing when you hit the front end of the amplifier, and it creates a type of tone. Yes, but it's not the bloom, is it? It's like you know where you've got tons of headroom and you're not maybe sending quite so much out the guitar. It hits the sound and and and. A, just happens in a different way i'm not even going to try and get scientific well i mean it's the one reason like my biggest tonal change i think Mm. especially in a live stage is is the treble bleed kind of i've got in there yeah it's a you know it's a particular uh whatever you call the measurement uh what capacitance yeah capacitance and i I think it's like a 470 i like a 470 picofarad and I just love the way it's... Or it's, impedance? Are it, we talking impedance or capacitance? I don't even know now, but whatever. Who knows? But I mean, I can go from a... Um, a the amp is, is naturally kind of... 
And I can I can back it off and I, all of a sudden I get this almost more of a classic twangy and a clean, very super yeah. clean strat sound. Um, which is that, that, good. That, that lovely kind of thing. So I'm getting the best of both worlds and depending on how far I, I bring mm. the volume back, I can get really kind of glassy. And, The, the clean yeah. sound, I suppose. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, so so I, don't, I said I don't know anything really about Honeybee Amps. Whether he makes lots of different versions, or if that's the only. I think one. he only makes two. He makes right. this this um, forty watt head, and I think he does a John Mayer style, which would, which is you've got far more Switches. bits and bobs yeah, okay. on it. And, I, and my thing is just the, the simpler, the better, because yeah. I will spend an entire sound check ruining my sound by just go, mm, a little bit more of that, a little bit less of that, and then yeah. So, well, that, I mean, yeah. it's a great, and it looks cool. It's like covered in suede and as I said, presumably there's lots of choices about how you want it colored and oh, all yeah, that. Oh yeah, whatever you it want. It looks super yeah. cool. And not, uh, Pete told me how much they were. And I, I, again, I don't know what the deal with Honeybee is, whether or not you might be able to buy one through Anderton's or whether you go direct to Honeybee or whatever, but it sounds cool. You know, if you're interested, comment and I'll find out. Uh, you're running it through an attenuator, which yes. kind of surprised me a bit um, because I didn't, you know, being a, a, a clean kind of amp with lots of headroom, it sort of felt like it sounded pretty good. We, we had it running without the attenuator before you arrived, right. and it still sounded great. Um, did you try many different attenuators before you went, oh, that's that's the one? I, I, yeah, I did. I tried um, some attenuators, but I found the, you know, the, the normal top end roll off. Yeah. Like, the more you attenuate it. Yeah. I mean, I bought one because... You know, coming out of the UK, we're playing uh, far smaller venues and mm -hmm. clubs that, 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 I, that I play back home. Mm -hmm. So back home, I can always just turn the cab in a different direction and right. blast it. Um, here, all of a sudden, you know, it's, you know, a stage this size. Mm -hmm. And I normally used to turn my cab backwards, but then you're hitting a wall, a concrete wall, and it's flying back yeah. at you. So I thought, damn, I need to do something about yeah. this. And, yeah. um, you know, I've played Dr. Z amps for, for many, many years, mm -hmm. with, and I absolutely love the Dr. Z stuff too. So I thought I'd try the air brake and yep. uh, I bought it and I must say there's hardly any top end attenuation yep. which was yep. which was fantastic and you know for home I live in a, a place where I've got neighbors really close by and um, I'm on the bedroom setting all the time at yep. home and yep. instead of practicing with this very sterile clean sound because mm. the amp's on half I can really wind the amp up now and uh, it's it's so I mean that's I would say that the bulk of attenuators that I've used you you lose 25% of the magic of the tone somehow just disappears without a doubt but this is sounding good the the, the ones that I know that Anderton sells that that uh, seem to work really well is that there's a there's a great brand American brand called Tone King and they do a thing called the Iron Man which sounds great and they do two versions of it like one if you've got 100 watt amplifier and then they do a they do a one if you've got a 30 watt amplifier it's just got a smaller transformer in it and I guess a little bit cheaper. But the the one that we tried at the uh, back end of last year, it was just like, oh my God. And it's got so much other stuff as well, which we'll, I'll show you when we finish filming. But the UAD Ox. Which, is, is that that big unit? That, it's, it's that, oh, that one there, brown yeah? and gray. So wow. it's, got, it's got a killer reactive load um, attenuator in there, but it's also got the uh, speaker emulated DI. Oh, wow. As well. so, so, you can... so if you're, you know, if you want your... You know, if you want to make gigging super, super easy and you want the sound man to love you, it's just like ox out. So you can, your sound is on stage, it's all for you. And then you just give the sound man an XLR lead and go, here you go. There you go. And do, it's do just what you must. so authentic. It's frighteningly wow. good. Wow. But that's, so that's amazing. But yeah, be careful with attenuators. I, I have to be honest with you, the, the, the bulk of the cheap ones that I've tried, you know, and I know you can buy attenuators for, you know, a couple of hundred pounds. In fact, even 99 pounds if you go on, just buy some unknown Chinese one or whatever. But you have this great sounding amplifier, you put it through the attenuator, and yes, it's quieter, but... Yeah, your tone's gone. Carrack afterwards, basically. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, that was my main thing. So, and also for me, I don't, you know, it's always great to be loud and all that stuff, mm. but I can't stand being so loud that I can't hear the drums or mm. the... Mm. I, I kind of want the volume always to be in, re in relation to the rest of the instruments on stage, you know? So that's a big reason yeah. for the attenuator. I mean, also. in here, we're running it through a, a 212 cream backloaded open back cab was that do you know what you're going to use when you're out 
sort of tour? Well, my I normally do the the EV uh, thing. Wow. The, you know the the, well, the the reissues are called the the EV classics or, or right. something like that. And I like it's those. Super gla- everything super glassy and bright. Yeah. And, and, well, and actually, clean I, and... I find that the, the those EVs quite a dark speaker. Actually, I find them. You know, I, I I don't like speaker distortion really. I mean, yeah. I know for particular things people like that yeah. little yeah. bit of speaker. No, well, there's none on those, is there? And no. why I say there's none, if you do get the speakers to distort on those, I remember them being very unpleasant actually to listen to, but they've got so much uh, yeah, I mean, those headroom. Are, I think they're 200 watt yeah, drivers. You, you, know? you never ever, I mean, if you're distorting one of those, then you're doing you, something you, wrong. Yeah, you yeah. really are playing way too loud. <laughs> like, way too loud. What I find is it's because the speaker's always idling. It's, you know, it doesn't matter what you're throwing at it. This is a 40 yeah. watt head. My Dr. Z's are 50 watt. Is that all that is? It's 40 watts, yeah. You know, you, 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 <laughs> you can give, you can do whatever you want on the amp and the speakers mm. are still kind of idling. And I find there's, it takes a lot of the harshness out. And I find yeah. EVs to be quite dark because of that. You know, you can add yeah. a little bit more. I find if I'm on a kind of a regular mm. speaker, I've got to take the top end down a little bit more because it gets a little bit more you know, kind of yeah, spiky, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the EVs, I just find you, you can have all that top end, all the top ends there, but it's, it's never that ice. Is it not yeah. unbelievably heavy, aren't they? It's speakers. ridiculous. Yeah. You, you regret, yeah. in, when, you, when you're walking from the van to into the venue, like this is the worst idea I've ever had in my life. But when you plug it in, you're like, yeah. no, 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 it's good. It's good. But that, yeah. I, that, again, going back to when I first started selling stuff, you know, uh, that the, the, we had very occasionally some people would do those mods to a Fender Twin. So they put a pair of EVs or JBLs or something in a Fender Twin. And the thing's heavy as it is. And then you put, and it's like, a small is, moon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, I, you've really thrown me by saying that was 40 watts. I, I, I mean, the size of it made me think it would just be much louder. Yeah, 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 but sure. The, the, it's just got that that hundred watt kind of hit. Yeah, exactly. It has. You know, weird. It's 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 oh, gorgeous. You know, magic, magic. Um, let's go over to the pedal board. Yes, we should probably do a, like a sweep over or something so people can see what we're talking about. Yes. Um, I was surprised. The first thing I'll just get out of the way. I, you know, I if if I've got an amplifier with a with a spring reverb tray in it, valve driven, blah 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 blah. I love those reverbs, but you're you've opted to just go with a with a pedal reverb. Well, I mean, the reason is is I, I use those fifty nine basement reissues for years, the Fender okay. ones, and obviously those are are, are verbless, if that's even a mm-hmm. word. Um, so I, I kind of got used to that the digital kind of reverb. Mm-hmm. But what I kind of like to do now is use like a spot of both. You know, oh, okay. I just find sometimes um, with the digital reverb, if you've just got the digital. It sounds great when you're playing on your own, you get these, these. Yeah. It's like, oh, lovely, nice spring sound. And as soon as you put a bass player, a drummer, and a keyboard player, the, the, the reverb, like a, the digital reverb just disappears completely. Right. And you're like, am I dry? Am I, am I what? Where a spring reverb, because it's a, you know, a real organic yeah. thing, you, you tend to hear better. So I kind of like to keep, like, I mean, if, if I, I switch it off, oh, if yeah. I switch it off, there's. Oh, yeah. There is, there is that kind oh, of... So I, I didn't see... I just assumed it was turned all the way down. So you, we're going double reverb here. Reverb yeah, on reverb. Like, yeah, reverb on... But tiny bits, I mean, so... so oh, that, yeah, so you get the shimmer maybe of the of Yeah, the so that's reverb. got like a real kind of bright tank mm. sound. Like, you know... Mm. And I've, I've really enjoyed this Tech 21 one. It's really simple to use and you can get a... A relatively close to a spring reverb sound and you can get um, quite atmospheric if you not that I, I've ever had the use for it but you can get really a studio reverby kind of yeah, yeah like more plates or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. hall type so, 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 so you can go to kind of those levels of of reverb, so I mean, it's, it's it's just nice to have. If I want a big sound, I can, for I can sure. go for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, now your lead, I noticed you've left this clean drive pedal on quite a lot. So let's let's skip to that one. Yes. What, what, and that's another honeybee. honeybee. You you got a you got a hive, but you haven't got a pedal board. You got a, a hive. <laughs> hive. Haven't you? There's so ma- there's so many honeybee things on here. But yes. let, let's let's okay. talk about the clean drive. The clean drive for me is it's it's almost perfectly paired to to the head. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. It, it really is such a transparent pedal, mm-hmm. and it's a pedal. It's the only pedal I've ever played or owned that I can leave it on, mm-hmm. where it doesn't sound like oh, I've got a pedal on. You know, mm-hmm. where you get a great clean sound, and you switch a pedal on, and it does something, but you're like, 
I don't kind of like what it does with the mid range or, or, or the top end. This one is, if I, if I play the difference, I mean, you'll, you'll hear there's a slight boost mm -hmm. and there's a slight bit of drive, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, but it's very, very, it's a very, very subtle drive. So, so, so off would be. And on. So for me, it just does something to the harmonics. It just kind of makes it bloom a little yeah, bit yeah, more, yeah. you know, where it's, 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 yeah, I see what you mean though. It's, it's, it's almost like an always on just. So, so it's, it's the only time I switch it off is when I put the fuzz on because the fuzz doesn't seem right. to like it, okay. you know? Okay. Um, so I, I, it, it cleans up like if I didn't have the pedal on with the, you know, the treble. Gets nice and, uh, but it just adds a little bit of grit. Um, And if I switch it off, uh, a bit, just adding a little bit of fatness in there. Just a yeah. little bit of fatness and uh, super subtle, yeah. and that's yeah. why I kind of I find it very difficult to to switch off just because of what it does. Yeah. So the other two Honeybee pedals you've got, I don't, are you using those much? The, um, is it a the, those aren't a... those aren't wired at the moment. Oh, okay. But the double trouble is um, pretty much the. The one side of it is this clean drive, which mm -hmm. is this very subtle kind of tone shaping drive. And the other side is is called SRV land, which is kind of like a tube screamer, pretty much. It's basically you know? is close to get easing close to infringing on steel, you know, double trouble, SRV. What else have we got in there? We've got the we've got the Monterey side and uh, <laughs> I've made that bit up. But it's um, a, the, the double trouble's great. The only reason it's not wired in at the moment is just I've literally got just got the pedal. And obviously, real estate is no off. for sure. Yeah, uh, I need to just kind of neaten everything up and find things. And, so, and the Mystic's not plugged in either. The no? Mystic's not plugged in, but right. the Mystic is an octafuzz, pretty oh, much. Oh, cool! And a really, really great octafuzz. Um, Do all the lights? Is this all the lights come on? I if see we, if we all red LEDs pop, around here. That's pop cool. That in for a second. I just buy pedals because I like the way they light up. Oh, we go. That's not really true. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's so great. Is, you know? How pathetic is that? I just got excited about yeah. how a pedal lights up. Um, so you've got one of Scott's uh, fuzz pedals. Yes, I do. Um, um, it's it's That's great. A Scott McKeown uh, fuzz, which yeah. uh, I've had sitting around here. Yes, for about I think it's somewhere the back. Two there. years that uh, I've still not plugged in, which I must at yes. some point or other. It's great. I mean, I, the big thing for a fuzz for me is obviously I like the germanium. Ooh. Might be a little loud. Can I turn your reverb down? A yes, smidgen? please. Are you sure? <laughs> please do. For me, it's you know I, I like a fuzz that is unusable in the neck pickup because then you, it means you get that massive. <laughs> because I mean, if I turn my volume full oh, on my word. neck pickup, it's. But the reason I like that is because with my treble bleed, you get this incredible kind of sparkly sound if you if you back your volume down. Which is very bright obviously, it's very top end, but I just absolutely It's, it's just like a great uh, vintage fuzz face style. Yeah, style never, I, I love listening to other players play fuzz, but I've never, I've never really kind of. You, you're so right. It, it, it feels. It makes the guitar. When I first started playing fuzz, it makes mm. the guitar feel different. Mm. The strings feel different. It's, it's, uh, it's something. Yeah, it's a very weird thing of fuzz. Another beast, but it's great. Yeah. So another pedal that uh, has travelled like five thousand miles to South Africa, <laughs> five thousand miles back to Guildford, and probably started about three miles away. <laughs> Uh, is the Duelist, yes. which I, again I've seen on, on uh, all the good players seem to have Duelist pedals. 
Um, but I've never tried one. So what, what's what's going on here? Well, I mean, you know, this was another. I mean, I'm a big fan of Jesse Davey. You mm-hmm. know, um, his guitar playing, his his tone. I mean, good God, his tone is is, is just silly. You know. And uh, he, he makes this, this range of pedals, they're called uh, King Tone. He's coming, he's called King Tone, yeah, that's right. right. And he makes this Duelist, which is like kind of two overdrives. Um, the the right side, if from the way I'm looking at it, mm-hmm. is, is a Tube Screamer. I think it's based, if I'm not mistaken, it's based off Jesse's personal vintage 808. Mm-hmm. And wow, it's just... Uh, so that, that's the, what does he call it? Uh, he string, calls it the, the string, string singer, singer side. And, you know, it's got this cool thing over here, which is fat, stock, and glass, which is a little kind of switch. Mm-hmm. And the way I understand it is is that affects the tone going into the pedal, not coming out. Where the tone the tone knob, that affects the, the top end going out, mm-hmm. and the switch affects the top end going in. Mm-hmm. So if I switch on to the, 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 the tube screamer side, if I go to fat, I think it boosts a lot of the bottom end. Stock would be, I suppose, like a classic tube screamer. And then glass gives you that, this, that once again, the... Because you use the glass mode on the, the glass, amp, which well, is so kind you, of just like yeah. a bright switch, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gives you that so so I, I kind of like the the, the the glass setting um you know I suppose it d- depends on the room you in yeah, and, yeah. and all that and the other side I believe is a blues breaker kind mm-hmm. of circuit uh, but it's got like a little dip switch inside where you can add more gain. So I I, I do that, and I kind of use this side. I mean, I haven't really set it up, but I kind of uh, use this side of as more of like a, a slightly more gainy mm-hmm. kind of like riff kind of. So it can get quite quite a lot more gamey than than the the other side. So, yeah, I kind of uh, I I really love. I mean, my favorite side is that that string singer side. It's just wow! It just makes so much sense. It's like the one of the best tube screamers I've heard. That sounds wonderful. I I said it was the last pedal on the board. Of course, it isn't because the wah wah is the last Ah, pedal on the board. Yeah, and um, I mean, your playing style, and of course, all the the, the, that your clearly your guitar heroes are all big wah wah guys. Yeah, certainly. What what have you chosen here? This is a, a, I think I think the company's called RMC. Mm-hmm. I think Real McCoy. Real McCoy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's like a cool picture of the bloke on the, yeah, <laughs> on, yeah. the, on the bottom. Like hair and everything. It's very, very, very cool. And this is called, I think it's the, the RMC 10, which is supposed to be, and I might be wrong, I think it's uh, modeled off the Hendrix live Wawa sound. I mean, yeah. if that... We used to stock these, and I'm, I'm trying to, I, I I can only imagine we used to stock these, and from memory they were they were pretty expensive. Like well, I guess like a lot of boutique pedals are. Yes. And I don't know why we stopped stocking them. Maybe maybe just maybe it's just one of those pedals that didn't sell enough, and so we just went, oh well, we'll move on. But it, obviously, it's I do remember him doing like there's an RMC like six and eight, yes, and 10, yeah, all the different numbers, all modelled off yeah, certain different sounds. They were, but and what I, I like about still going. So yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I mean, I've had this in the board for a while, and what I like is is it's kind of got that that Vox kind of sound, which is it sweeps the the high end rather than like yeah. I think sometimes you know the the, the crybaby kind of sound is more almost sometimes a lower frequency sweep. Yeah, and this is kind of more the I mean it's a noisy noisy bugger as you can hear, but it's uh, it's got that, that kind of nice. It just it, it it was kind of the right it's the right frequencies that I that I like that to be kind good. of wired out if, if if that makes any sense yeah. you know what I mean yeah I mean it strikes me that again you'd be pretty happy um, with just two or three pedals on this board and into this amplifier and that's most of your gig it's like big time I mean it's uh, I've had far bigger boards and it's just it's kind of you know for what I do you yeah. know it's like I, I do a very yeah. particular thing and I'm. I, I'm not the most. I'm definitely not the most versatile guitar player in the world. <laughs> you know, I, I play what I play. So, 
I kind of can get away with having a fairly minimal board where I don't necessarily, oh, I might, if I ever play a gig that I need a delay or a, mm. a, like a very high gain sound. I mean, I've never really been in that situation. So so I can afford to kind of have a, a relatively simple simple board, yeah. Wow, it, is, it sounds great. And, you know, oh, whatever you, you've managed to put together, the licks, the guitar, the pedals, the amplifier, it's totally working. Oh, thank sounds you, Sounds monstrous. So, well, look, Please, uh, good luck on the tour. Thank good you very with, much. Uh, albums and future that. albums and what, wherever you go. And, you know, hopefully you get to dive out to America and do some more stuff out there. But I'll put links in the description below where you can go find out about Dan. Um, I don't know how much of the stuff that Dan's using we actually sell. But if we do, I'll put those in the <laughs> thing below. Otherwise, you have to go and find it yourself. Google is your friend. Um, but, yeah, thanks, man. Take it easy. Lee, it's thank you. It's been a great on. pleasure, my Lovely man. Thank you very, very, really, really cool. Man. Thank you. Bye, guys. See you soon. Thanks for listening to our latest podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit that subscribe button. See you next time. <laughs>